Film on the Rocks is back, baby. Film on the Rocks has been Colorado's essential summer event for over 20 years. They feature live performances and movies under the stars at the iconic Red Rocks Park and Amphitheater. The summer series combines some of the best in culture, views, and cult classics. It's a movie experience like no other. These viewings fill up fast, so make sure you get your tickets ASAP. DNVR Avalanche Podcast. DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account. I'm your host, Rudo, joined by AJ, as always, and special guest, Will Scouch of Scouching, on the show to learn us a little thing or two about an interesting NHL draft. It's going to be it's going to be a weird entry draft, to say the least. How how has been studying the draft for you, Will? Because I know it's been hard to find some footage on some guys. Uh honestly pretty much the same uh it's uh you know i'm pretty much a guy who stays at home and gets to watch video all day and compiles databases and everything so pretty much standard for me i mean it is very strange because some guys from my neck of the woods up here in canada went to crazy places in europe to play hockey and that was a very interesting experience that i think was educational for both myself and those players like it's you know depending on the player but yeah, I mean, it was very interesting to see Canadian players at their junior age go over there and try to play European pro, but that was about as strange as it got for me. I mean, only a very small handful of players that straight up did not play at all this year are guys that I'm really interested at this point. Um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's strange, but got to do what you got to do, you know? Yep. Find a way to make it work. That's yep. for sure. The players yep. did. That's what the scouts are doing, I'm sure, as well. They're, tr- so. they're trying. <laughs> I mean, didn't, didn't the OHL players have, like, put together their own, like, showcase event? Yeah. To try and give them an opportunity to get in front of scouts? They did. Uh, yeah, I watched some of it. It was all right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's... Uh, the way that I've been tell what I've been telling people is like, I'm pretty comfortable with the guys that I'm most familiar with. And that tournament, like the quality of the hockey wasn't great. It was fine, but it was a lot of sort of undrafted OHLers and, you know, the best OHL guys weren't there to me. Um, but I'm sure guys at that tournament will get picked because scouts were there and they saw them play. Um, who knows? But if it's me, I, I saw enough of a sample elsewhere of the rest of the world that I'm pretty comfortable. If I have to pick seven guys, for example, or Colorado picking three, I'm pretty sure I'm good with what is already out there and what was there before that tournament. All right. Even in the seventh round with Colorado's YOLO pick. I just don't know. I just don't know who I have guys who I'd YOLO in the seventh round. And of in that tournament, it's hard. I, we'll see who's available then, but nobody was, jumping sure. off the we're jumping off the screen at me but maybe that's because a lot of them haven't played in 10 months or whatever it was i don't know it's just <laughs> it's one of those things where i might just have to be wrong uh and just sort of throw cross throw caution to the wind and just go for it wouldn't be the I first mean, and last person to be wrong in the seventh round i'm sure it's true <laughs> yeah. i know with the, with the seventh round pick though it's not i mean you're not you're not like who cares but you're also like well, you're not, you're not losing sleep over that decision yeah you take who you like you know, you take the guy you want to believe in the most and just sort of, you know, your little pet project, I think, is that is that that kind of strategy. But I think there's a lot of those this year, um, but time will tell. We'll see who's available. That's the thing I tell people, too. It's like, who, who's going to go in the seventh round? I don't know. Like, 
whoever goes in the first six rounds are not going to be on the board. And I don't know who those guys are. So whoever's we'll left, we'll go. Yeah. <laughs> whoever's left, we'll go from there. Uh, yeah. So who do you like? Let's, let's get into it. This is, there has not been a truly clear cut first overall this year. A lot of people like Maddie Beneers, but are you in that camp or are you look at, looking at somebody else? I'm in the Maddie Beneers camp. Uh, that's where I'm at. The only other guy that I think could sway me elsewhere is William Eklund. Um, you know, I actually just put out my extremely long report on Owen Power today. Uh, it's the longest video I've ever put out on a single player because he kind of needs it. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's not in my top five personally, but I see why NHL teams would really want him. But for me, pretty much wire to wire, even on the just through the lens of looking at the Michigan guys, Beniers has been the most impressive to me at both ends of the ice and such a well-rounded player and I mean, if I'm the Buffalo Sabres and you're going to trade two centers off your team that they have now, Matty Beniers is probably a good option to sort of start turning that corner with. I just feel like a lot of the other options are just a lot of risk. And I don't know. You don't want to take risk at first overall if you're Buffalo and whiff, and especially in the state that they're in right now, personally. True. But he's. I still also genuinely believe that he's the number one guy. If, if I was any team, he would be the guy I'd push for a one. Is the big concern with Beniers that the upside is not that of what you would expect out of a number one overall center? I, I would disagree with that. I mean, I see where people are coming from with that. Um, he's a hardworking guy. He's got great range. He covers a lot of ice and he works hard. Like he, you know, I, I think the data I tracked was very favorable in the sense of like creating shot attempts for everyone else, you know, setting plays up along the boards. He was one of the best completers of, of uh, passes through the slot or to the slot that I've tracked this year. So he's driving offense. Michigan pretty much wire to wire this year just did not really tend to take shots from inside in the data that I tracked. They tended to stick to the perimeter, use their defense for shots a lot, you know, just try to throw pucks on net and clean up garbage afterwards, or maybe the goalie just whiffs it. And I think that leads to deflating point production at five on five, because you're just not, you're not putting the puck in a position where you have a higher chance of scoring. They kind of go for volume Um, with Beniers though. I think there's things that hold him back from potentially being as good as he could be. I think he's a player that plays big, but he's pretty undeveloped in terms of his size. Like I think that got, that got exposed to the world championship. He was kind of bouncing off guys, kind of a step behind physical pressure. But again, I think those things you can work on as he gets older. And I don't know, I get the feeling that even if he doesn't become sort of a physical 200 foot guy, there's enough skill and offense there that, he could be a real dynamic sort of puck possession guy um, just with the tools. There's just the tools that he's got. He's got a really well-rounded package of skills that you don't see a lot of. And there's certainty there, I think, in terms of being a good NHL player. Is he a first line center? I don't think so. But like a good second line guy that you can throw over the boards with five minutes left and you're going to be able to trust him not to screw up. Like, I think that's what you're going to get out of him. And I think certain teams are going to latch onto that type of a player, especially up the middle. When you compare him next to Eklund, I mean, are you looking at Eklund as more of a uh, a center or a wing long term? I think Eklund's a winger. I mean, he played wing every time I saw him in the SHL this year. It's similar to the discussion, I think, of Tim Stutzla last year, where people were saying, well, Tim Stutzla played center when he was 16 or 15 or whatever, so maybe he's a center in the NHL. But my thing was always, well, you're underselling his best traits, which I think are best suited to the wing. You know, I think with, with Eklund, he's great along the boards. He's really quick on his feet, really skilled, dangerous off the perimeter. He can cut inside. He's a good open ice player as well. But I just think that you're going to put him in the best possible position with a real strong 200-foot center down the middle that can work off of him. And he can sort of be the more offensive leaning guy. And you just kind of give him that freedom to be creative and, and try to score and set guys up. I, I, I think that's the best option for him. Um, especially considering he hasn't played center at all this year, and he is kind of undersized. I, it's possible. I, you might try it, but I'm. If I had to pick, I think I'd see him as a winger more than a center down the road. And then valuing those two guys head to head, it's it's a little easier to prefer the center, right? A little bit, yeah. I mean, Eklund is a bit more of that, you know, flashy sort of creative offensive guy. You know, good puck skill real good puck control. Beniers is a bit sort of like a bull in a china shop sometimes when he's got the puck where it can just kind of, you know, he overhandles the puck a little bit, not not like looking off play and everything, but he just literally is going so hard that he's kind of losing control of play or barely holding onto the puck. And 
those things I think can be refined, but it, it, with Eklund, I think there's more control and, and calculated offense to him. Um, but they're both like, they're both really close, I think to me. And I feel like Eklund's going to slip on actual draft day, but I, I get the feeling that at the top of the draft, it's those two guys. And then a bunch of we'll see guys. All right. Two standouts. Uh, really quick. I do want to, I don't know how much of a goalie guy you are, Will, but Jesper Wallstead in the top 10, is it happening? I've got him in the top five. I okay. the thing the thing about it, okay, like I get it, right? Like team not drafting goalies in the first round. I'm usually on that team. I, I like nine times out of ten. Askarov was the first time I wasn't, um, and this will be the second. So what I see in Jesper Volstead is, I mean, he's in it. He's in a class of his own. Like I am skeptical if Jesper Volstead was say playing in the CHL, you know, playing against junior competition, I would be more skeptical for sure. But he's playing in the SHL. No one's ever done that before as a draft eligible, at least not in recent history. And I thought he was the better goalie at the World Juniors for them when he barely played. But I felt just in the brief time that he played that he was a much more reliable goalie than I believe it was Hugo Alnafelt at the time. Um, I just think that at some point, you know, I get the risk of drafting goalies, but I feel like there's also risk in drafting pretty much anyone in this year's draft. I, you know, even the guys that have played a lot, I think there's a lot of potential variants in what their career could be. You know, Brent Clark is one, Owen Powers, another, uh, Ken Johnson's another one. Like there's just a few guys that are very, very sort of, it could go one way or the other. Um, and with Wallstead, if, even if that's the case at some point, in my opinion, you're going to be choosing between like a number one goaltender, probably based on what he's done in his career so far. And maybe what a second line winger or a second line center or second pair defenseman. And, I get the feeling that it won't take very long for my head to go, okay, well, the risk of taking the goalie is probably better than taking a quote-unquote safer pick and going for someone who might play on your second pair or might be on your second line. I, I can see Wallstead slipping just because goalies are spooky and, and they don't want to touch him, but I am not super scared of him because he's, you know, European coaches find plenty of reasons not to play young kids. And I can't imagine that he, they, you know, wouldn't play a goalie at 17 or 18 years old unless they were really, really confident that he was going to be fine. And he was. Um, so I'm, I'm optimistic about him, you know, but most seasons, like there are no goalies next year, I think, that, that are really on the same page as Askarov or Wallstead at the same age. Um, could there be in five years? Sure. Uh, but but with he's, a, he's an interesting one to see where he's going to go and when, but I'm part of the crew that thinks that he's legit. So is this 90% Wallstead and then 10% question marks about the rest of the class? Kind of. Yeah, maybe like 80 20. Okay, sure. <laughs> 80, 75 25. Something Being like more that. confident than 80% in a goalie is bold. <laughs> also true, yeah. So, is he the only goalie you have in the first round? Uh, I put Sebastian Casa there because I looked at the. The reason he's in my first round is because I looked at the data, both public and what I have access to through McKean's Hockey on Instat. And he's outperforming expectations. Yeah, his team is very good. But. You know, obviously he's big. I think goalie is a position where size does matter, uh, at least in a sense. I, I obviously, if he was six foot ten, it wouldn't make much of a difference. But he's got size, um, and when I watch him play, I think there are echoes of what makes Wallstead so interesting to me, where it's very technical, very efficient. You know, square the puck a lot. He's very, very quick with his lateral movement and just constantly following play really, really well. Um, obviously, I feel like. Cost is going to be gone top 15 or something or top 10 even like I, I just get the feeling that if Wallstead's gone or teams are thinking about a goalie he's going to be right there and right on the right on that range so I have him ranked towards the end of the first round because again like some of the guys in the late first round I'm thinking mid to late you know middle of your lineup guys you know if you're most late first round picks turn out to be maybe second second line guys or third guys you know just useful pieces that you know, may be interchangeable, but they're useful. And with Casa, I mean, the numbers have been consistent year over year. And and if you get yourself a goalie in a sea of guys who might be third liners, you're you still did pretty well. So it's worth the risk in that range. But I get the feeling someone's going to jump the gun and and just pick him higher than that personally. So put him low and then crush the abs dreams by having him get picked early. Unfortunate, Got it. Unfortunately, it's possible that it happens. Yeah. Okay. I'm fully expecting um, on draft day, my dream will be Casa. 
and by pick 20 it'll be dead yeah i mean i this this year the phrase i've been saying to people is it's going to be a greasy horror nightmare show it's going to be crazy i i don't know what's going to happen i've heard some crazy stuff about you know guys that i have in my top 10 or 15 that might be available towards the second round or later like it's it's crazy how much variance there has been for a variety of reasons but yeah it's gonna be insane (laughs) all right on that note we can take our first period break as we are brought to you by breckenridge brewing the official beer of dnvr you can get eight different kinds on tap down at the dnvr bar and get it at your local liquor store they're good company hard seltzer can't get it up in canada but down here in the states it's some good stuff or you can recruit aj to bring it up to you in canada i guess that's the strat for people up there it seems there you go. We'll need some from you, AJ. You got to hook them up. Yeah, just the casual drive from Manitoba yep. to Ontario. Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing. So jump on it. Get yourself some Breck Brew. Also, if you want your teeth not to look like mine, go to Green Mountain Dental Group. They'll get you all hooked up. They'll take care of your teeth. Make sure they're clean and all set to go. You can also get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush when you get a cleaning x-ray and exam with them. So jump on it. Make sure you take care of your teeth and don't look like a hockey player on the podcast live on the internet. Highly recommend. Then, when you save some money using Green Mountain Dental Group to get your dentist work done, use that to sign up for a DNVR membership. Get all of our exclusive content on the site. AJ just made a great piece about Eric Johnson the other day. Highly recommend you read that one and check out everything going on with him and the Avalanche. Of course, you can also get big beers at the DNVR bar. Join the DNVR lounge on Discord and all of that fancy stuff free shirt with an annual subscription as well. So jump on it. Join the DNVR fam. We're we're pretty cool, we like to think. Uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook here live with Will Scouch. So you call it a greasy horror show. I was going to ask you if you think this is a glass half full or a glass half empty draft because it seems like there's two camps, right? The one is they think there's going to be a lot of picks that you might be able to take advantage of late in the draft fallers. The other is watch out for landmines and total whiffs in the first round. Okay. Yeah. So just because I said it's going to be a greasy horror show <laughs> doesn't mean that it's going to be a bad draft. I don't think I, 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 I think that what's hanging people up is that there isn't like a game changer. There isn't a guy who you draft and you can lean on like, but again, at the same time, we just saw Alexi Lafreniere go first overall, and he struggled in his rookie season. I am of the belief that the NHL is way more difficult than it was even five years ago for young players to get their go, get their feet going. I think the training and the level of floor of talent in the NHL just continues to get better and better and better. And I think the gap is kind of widening for them between you know young kids entering the league and, and finding success right away. So I, I look at this year's draft and go, you know what? Maybe a guy or two could be an NHL pick and or an NHL player next season, but I would. A lot of these guys, I think, need patience and time. I think that with this draft, I'm not the person to sort of look at this group of teenagers and say, "Well, they're not going to be good. Uh, it's a bad class. It's bad this. It's bad that." I've I've lived long enough to recognize people who say this is going to be a good draft and it turns out to be bad. This is going to be a bad draft. It turns out to be good or whatever. Sometimes they're right, but not every time. Um, I remember 2017. Yeah. We yeah. didn't love that draft class and yep. it ended up with multiple franchise players in it. Exactly. So sometimes th- I think there's always good players to be had in any given draft. You just got to know what you're getting. So when I look at this year's draft, I think there's a lot of interesting players that could have a lot of high potential. And I think that it's it remains to be seen, obviously, if that'll be sorted out. But I also think there's a world where a lot of these guys in the top range Maybe the teams misevaluate them or rush them to the NHL too quick. I could easily see how that might hamper their development and push things more in the bad category. Um, but again, that's that's the whole thing about this whole work is like, yeah, you can scout the guys and, and examine things a whole bunch. But then at the end of the day, it's about development and, and pairing them with the right people and developing them properly and just making them comfortable in your system and with your culture and whatever, like people laugh at the word culture, but I do think it matters with regards to developing young players. So I think that's another factor that really changes how people look back on the draft. But I look at this draft and think, you know, I could easily see guys evolving into something really, really impressive. I don't think they're right there right now, you know, and especially when we look at a guy who was literally labeled that last year in Alexi Lafreniere and he 
kind of struggled in in New York. So, I mean, obviously, I think Alexi Lafreniere is going to be a great player, but it just goes to show that this isn't just about you know finding a player that's going to like completely transform your team overnight anymore. I think it's just about filling your cupboard and giving yourself the best options to succeed. And then this year, I think you've got plenty of options to do that in multiple, probably in multiple rounds based on what I've been seeing publicly ranked. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, to your, to your point, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've seen these top picks even vie for the Calder. You know, because yeah. going back a couple of years now, you know, they've they've been a lot of wait and see guys. Yeah. I mean, like the last first overall pick, I think that you could really say 100 percent that guy is incredible right away is Austin Matthews. Like, I think Rasmus Dahlin kind of flirted with it a little bit here and there. And then Buffalo kind of changed gears on him a little. And we'll see where that goes. But, you know, I thought he was great in his rookie year. But, you know, I don't I think the days of, a, of an NHL first overall pick unless it's going to be like a Connor Bedard or something stepping into the NHL and scoring four goals on his first game might be tougher and tougher to do nowadays, but we'll see. It's, it's, I just get the feeling watching the NHL that the floor is getting really, really high and the quality of the game is just getting better and better, which makes it tough, especially for guys jumping from non-professional levels. Yeah, definitely fair. Uh, that's something we've talked about before on the show as well. Is is there something to that a European advantage in being able to play pro at a younger age? We we've talked about the uh, the bargaining agreement between the CHL and the NHL. Obviously, with the COVID effects, some younger players were able to play in the mm-hmm. AHL this year. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think there's a you know like I think it's easy to say well the o it's good to play in the OHL because the OHL isn't the Slovakian pro league. Sure. You know. And look at Brant, we'll take Brant Clark for an example, because he did that. He played in the OHL, was very good last year, I thought. This year went to Slovakia. I thought he had a bit of a shaky start, but as the year went on, he got more and more comfortable. But the thing that's interesting is, yes, the Slovakian league isn't necessarily as good, quote unquote, as the OHL. But I do think there's a big difference between playing with elite junior level competition Mm -hmm. and playing with dudes who are trying to put food on the table. You know, I, th- I think that there's a mental change and a, and a pace of play change that changes when you go overseas and play professional hockey over there. The speed of the game is quicker. They might not be as skilled. They might not be as creative. They might not have as good of a shot as you, but they want it. They they want to get that. They want to get the puck and win games like they're it's their job. Right. So there's a and in, ju- in junior, like obviously you want to win. Like I'm not questioning the competitiveness of OHL players. But it's more about there's something else there, right? Like, I I hate to use the word intangible, but just you watch the guys in Europe, the pros in in Europe play. They might not be NHL players, but they go hard and they play hard and they, they, they don't stop working. Whereas in junior, the pace is a little bit slower. You know, the defensive systems aren't as well refined and, and the guys aren't as strong. I think there's something there, especially in countries like Sweden and Finland. You know, people are ragging on Atu Ratu. But I watched Atu Ratu play against junior competition in Finland, and he was dominant, like absolutely dominant. And, you know, the only th- and it's just going to that professional level can be a lot. And 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 it, and it, to me, I found that it doesn't really matter where you are. I, I, fought, I, I saw the same thing in Slovakia as I did as I do in Finland and Sweden. So I think there's definitely something to it. Um, and I think it's why you didn't see someone like Brant Clark go to Slovakia and score three points a game. You talked about casa as potentially a riser with goalie panic eklund may be a faller for you but no way he's going to make it to near the abs so who are some of your other first round fallers that may make it a little bit later into the first round uh i mean uh god i mean the idea of logan stankoven in a colorado avalanche jersey is incredible i could not I, i bet he'll be available i really really think he'll be there um and I mean, I, I think where's, where's Colorado's pick again? 27, 20, yeah. 27. Yeah. You should be able to get a, get a look at him. And I would think him adding him to the group of forwards that, that the, the avalanche have been kind of working with and in, in their youth, like is terrifying to me. He's ranked 14th on my board, but he's on average ranked 26th and 31st in North America by NHL central scouting. Like, I get the feeling that you can just kind of close your eyes and just pick him. And I think he's going to turn into something really, really interesting. 
and I'm only talking so much about him because he's the first one that comes to mind and he's really ingrained in my head as that option. Atu Ratu, if he somehow slips all the way to 27, I think would also be a great pickup. You know, you've got a good group of Scandinavian and Finnish players and all that stuff in, in Colorado already who can sort of get his head reset because I think that's the biggest thing with him is that it's not so much his game. I think it's his own head sort of holding him back a little bit and sort of some mental hurdles he kind of has to get over from being the you know guy that he is. Um, outside of that, Simon Robertson could be a really interesting pickup for them uh, from Sweden. I mean, always bet on skilled wingers from Europe to slip in the draft always or undersized players and guys like Stankoven. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't like just looking at five foot seven guys and going, this is Alex to but there is that kind of angle to him where he's scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. And a lot of people just have him in the second round because they're worried about his size. But with me, I see a work rate out of him that I see out of Alex to nowadays. You know, he's not really shooting from everywhere. Stankoven gets to the middle. He sets up plays for his teammates. And his the data I tracked on him in a little bit limited sample was just bananas good. So that would be probably the realistic target. And I feel like you would just not have to think about it so much and just, you know, take him one step at a time. But I think he could be a great player in Colorado. Speaking of prolific goal scorers, you have Matthew Coronado out of the Chicago Steel. 48 goals in 51 games. Does he fall into a similar category like that? I think it's possible. I get the feeling a team is going to pick him up earlier, though, um, mostly because he's just a really, really smart kid. Like, he plays with a lot of intelligence. He is resilient when guys are all over him. He's 5'10", but you could have fooled me if you told me he was 6'6", six, 6'1". Six, um, he's just really just resilient and strong on his feet, and he earns everything he gets. He's a hard worker. The only thing that I think holds him back is that he's not the best skater, like he tries a lot of sort of that high skill offense stuff from time to time. And it just doesn't quite get there, but that doesn't mean that he can't try. And I think that over the next few years, he's going to Harvard, which I think he'll get plenty of ice time and plenty of, you know, it's not the best conference, but he'll have plenty of time to sort of stretch his legs and get moving and score points. And, you know, I think he'll be there a couple of years, but with patience, I think you'll end up with a really interesting, maybe like a good third line guy or, or maybe an okay second line forward who can play. Like he played center down the stretch and I liked him there. But even if he settles as a winger, I think you've got an interesting player there. At 27, I think it would be an easy sell for me. He's on that list uh, for me. But I get the feeling that a team will spot the the hard work and, and resilience and physical stuff that he brings and the, you know, earn everything you get kind of mentality and just pick him which I get, I think that happens quite often. Yeah. I mean, it's um, coming. I mean, that program has turned into such a powerhouse yeah. in the USHL that it's, I, I'm almost getting nervous with their guys. Cause it's, <laughs> cause it's like, okay, like the USHL has always been a good league, but it's always been a league that it's talent was spread out mm-hmm. and, you know, watching the steel turn themselves into this juggernaut the last couple of years, it's like, okay, these, these teams are significantly better than the rest of the USHL. Mm -hmm. Trying to, trying to pull guys out of there is, is, you know, trying to, numbers, yeah. Trying to separate them, you know, it's a crazy program now. Like they've really turned it into, like you said, like a juggernaut, you know, and I agree. Like, it's kind of hard to, they have a lot of guys who I think will get drafted this year, but I also, wonder you know they're an interesting analytical case study this is now the second year running i've done a lot of tracking work and they are pretty much just cowboy hockey every game they they win so many games they're a totally different brand of hockey than so many teams they go out and they don't seem to really care that much about playing defense and they just go out and score like games they play are seven five eight six nine five like it's pretty nuts and they do that by just filling their lineup with fun skilled guys or guys like coronado who just work their tails off And, or, you know, they had a few overage guys born, I think in 2000, who, you know, probably are too good for the USHL, but the Chicago Steel went, well, if we have them, they're, you know, we're going to be even better. So let's go with that. It's it's a crazy program. And uh, I think they're getting rewarded for it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Coronado isn't even, not even the, the, the only first, first round guy that they have. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Mackie Samuskevich guy. 
I actually put on a mock draft today and I sent him to Colorado because I think he'd be a really good fit there as well. Um, tons and tons and tons of skill, tons and tons of yeah. speed, you know, tons of fun. You just, you know, there's work, there's work there. He's not a finished product, but, but yeah. he's a really interesting prospect. And I think if you like that sort of fun factor and you want him in the first round because you don't have a pick in the second round, then yeah, I, I could see him easily being a target for them. Do you, do you think at some point, Colorado can can look at what they have in the NHL and look at what they have coming up, you know, right on the cusp of the NHL and say maybe we should we should try and fill out with something that's a little more well-rounded here. We should try and get some higher IQ guys, focus more on hockey sense and maybe a little bit of size, a little physicality and go after you know, maybe maybe not prioritize that skill factor quite as much. Um, well, I think it just depends. You never, I personally, I don't really think about things as like drafting on that kind of philosophy. Like, cause these guys, especially with the 27th overall pick, you're not going to see them for two or three years. And you go back to the Colorado avalanche lineup two or three years ago, and it probably looks quite a lot different, um, in a lot of different ways. And it's really hard to project your NHL team's lineup. And that's assuming the player you draft is going to be ready in two years. I get the feeling that you always think about it as like, okay, who's going to be the biggest impact player? Obviously, you can't just fill your lineup with a, out with skill. Obviously, you can't just fill your lineup out with physicality. You need a balance of things, but they all have to be driving good impact uh, on the game. So, if I'm if I'm Colorado, like especially with only three picks this year, I don't I don't really think about it too much. I get the feeling that someone that has the potential to score a lot of points will probably slip to that range. And someone where it's like, you know, yeah, maybe we could take a skip and, and maybe draft a Francesco Pinelli or something who may not have the offensive upside, but he's smart and has these other sort of <clears throat> secondary traits that he does well. Whereas I'm sitting there going, yeah, but it'd be really nice to get a guy at 27 who you think could just shoot the lights out and you worry about the auxiliary stuff elsewhere. That's that's just a philosophical thing. Um, but I think in the first round, you just go for his much of an impact player as you can possibly find. Uh, and usually that means scoring points, but obviously, I mean, I only suggest Stankoven because he's not a guy who just strictly focuses on offense to me. He's a guy who puts in the work defensively and he's five foot seven, but he at least tries. And I respect that a lot, especially when he is so effective offensively. So it depends on the player, I think is, is kind of my answer to your question. Like it really depends on the individual player you're picking. Um, and I think there's a world where the best player available is what you're talking about at 27 potentially based on how my list is constructed. But I just get the feeling that for Colorado, especially, they're just going to get someone handed to them. That's going to be hard to say no to swing for the fences. An homage I'm to the home run a, derby happening always, right now. Yeah. I'm always a fan of that. And yeah, especially cause it's home run derby night. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. We can take our second period of break there as we are brought to you by Hassle Cattle Company. Go online to HassleCattleCompany.com and you can get 10% off when you use code DNVR10 on your order. They have amazing meat. If you want to try their Wagyu burger, we have that down at the DNVR bar, but their sirloins, their strips, their bone-in ribeyes, all of that are absolutely delicious. And if you want to do a group order of $200 or more, you get free shipping as well. So check them out today. Also, Strava Craft Coffee. You can get that at the DNVR bar as well, cold brew. If you want regular warm, hot coffee, you can get that at StravaCraftCoffee.com and get 25% off your first order with code DNVR25 and then 20% off basically for life when you sign up for their subscription service. Last but certainly not least, just a couple blocks down from the DNVR bar. Maybe we'll get it in the bar soon enough. Solace Meds, you can get 20% off online with code DNVR20. And they have select products from 10 to 25% off in-store as well. You can schedule for pickup at one of the four locations in Colorado, including one up in Fort Collins. So it's super fast and easy to get in and out and get what you need. Jump on it. Get your Solace Meds. And yeah, enjoy, enjoy their stuff. They're another one of our great sponsors. All right third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by that draft kings sportsbook who is 27 on your board if you're willing to tell us you are muted somehow my own that's my own fault uh that is mackie samuskevich 27 okay so yeah. aj nailed it yeah there you go yeah nailed it bud <laughs> so we've already talked about about him a little bit um 
you want to swing for the fences with the 27th overall pick. Is that the same all the way through when you have three picks in the third round to just go big or go home? You may as well. I mean, you know, I, I think where NHL teams kind of trip over themselves is when you have, I believe, legitimately talented players that are available pretty much anywhere in the draft at some on some level. And they sort of go, yeah, well, they must be slipping for a reason or this other guy we like that we expected to be here anyway. We, we like him and it would be hard to say no. Whereas I feel like there's a lot of guys who just kind of tumble, especially in the first three or four rounds. Like you guys got John Luke Foodie in the third round. And that was a guy that I was a big champion of. And I would have pushed if I was on Colorado's draft table, I would have pushed for him as hard as possible in that third round pick. Um so once you get past the fourth or fifth round, then yeah, I think you, I think you kind of get into the area where it's like, all right, you know, let's just see who's available and what's, who cares. Like at that point, it's just a shot in the dark. Um, but there's always guys I think that are big, big swings that you could take that produce a lot. They have you know high speed, high skill, and it's just a matter of putting it together consistently on a 60 minute, you know, uh, in a, in a full game scenario, full multiple games over a stretch of time scenario. You know, it's just a matter of inconsistency sometimes. And there's a lot of young players like that. And it can be a little bit difficult to, to figure that out. Um, but the, the high, high pace kind of play in the NHL is uh, always difficult to overcome. So good players do slip. Maybe you could find a diamond in the rough by kind of galaxy braining it and not looking at production as much or not looking at data as much and trying to say, well, development will make this player this, but yeah, I mean, I, I always bet on, I always just bet on the good players and hoping they just get better a good bet to make i think generally generally <laughs> most of the time uh some interesting names from the chat here stromgren borgo and leheru any any thoughts on those three well stromgren is 29 on my board so that's a guy who could be in the vicinity of colorado's pick as well especially if they don't have a second and he's kind of similar to samuskevich <laughs> he's kind of similar to samuskevich but swedish and i think bigger um but what I like about him is that there's, you know, he's that he's got a bit more size. He's really, really quick once he gets really moving. He's skilled. It's just it doesn't show up very often. He drove really good results in the second division in Sweden. But and I think there's a really good player there kind of tucked away. Uh, we saw a bit of that at the world under 18s, but then it would kind of disappear for a while again. So I think there's an interesting player there. Um, the other two were LaRue and who? I don't remember. Uh, let me find the comment again. Borgo. One was Borgo and LaRue. Yeah. So it's interesting. Borgo and LaRue are two guys who, on the data I track, were the best on average across every category, which is really surprising to me. I've watched those guys a lot. Uh, I like LaRue. I don't think I have him. I won't have him in the first round. I think he's just outside the first round. He's got some skill. He's He's pretty creative. He's a dual threat offensive guy top 10 in a number of categories that I track, but the problem is I just don't know how it projects. The Quebec league is pretty passive defensively um, and you can kind of get away with playing the game at your own pace and they don't really push back a whole lot in my experience. And the same goes for Borgo. Um, I like Borgo a little bit better. I have Borgo in my first round, but it's they're, they're really close. Um, Borgo is a really creative playmaker off the boards, especially um, really, really crafty passer. And that's kind of the hallmark of his game. Um, with with LaRue, he kind of brings an all-around offense to him and a bit of snarl as well. Like, he's one of those guys that, you know, likes to sort of annoy opponents and kind of can take it too far at times. But I don't know, if that's the kind of thing you like, then he's one of those guys as well. So kind of depends on what you like. But <laughs> yeah. can't be spitting on folks. <laughs> See, yeah, you said that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can't be doing that, especially uh, in 2020 and 2021. <laughs> Yeah, when you when you make your rankings, like, do, do you take into account at all something like Larue had four suspensions this year? Um, I mean, I guess it depends. You know, like, I don't. It depends. Like for me personally, uh, I don't really need that on my team. Like, I don't. I don't. I think the, the in my opinion, the best, the the best defense against people <laughs> being mean to you is by scoring goals. And I think Zach LaRue has the potential to be a good offensive player, you know, and maybe there's something there with development. You know, people keep comparing him to Brad Marchand and Brad Marchand wasn't a first round pick. Um, I just, I don't know. For me, if I'm building a team, 
I don't want to have a liability like that on my on my roster, right? Like you 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 never know when it's going to come out. You know, you guys have uh, Nazem Kadri, and I remember watching Nazem Kadri, and that guy, as good as he is, as useful as he is, has that thing where it's like, well, you're you're really hanging us out to dry here, buddy. Like, not great, you know, not great decision making, and it, I don't know. Maybe as a second round pick, I could see it for sure with Larue, but. For me personally, like I just kind of think I'd rather have sort of the, you know, carry a big stick but talk quietly kind of guys, and and just go out and score goals, rather than sort of playing the mind games and just sort of ignoring the mind games and moving on from them. It is interesting uh, you brought it up the the Brad Marchand stuff, because everybody always wants to like compare guys to the favorable outcome, yep. where it's like on the other side. Like, it's like Maxime Lapierre maybe could be a possibility. Like, like, like he could be, he could just as easily be like Zach Cassian, right? Where you're like, yeah. okay, like he's an okay player, but that's not what anybody knows him for. That's yeah. not what he borderline has a reputation an for. Insane person, yeah. Also <laughs> true, yeah. Borderline. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. There are multiple paths that those players could end up taking. It's never, well, not never, but very rarely the best case scenario. Yes, always. Uh, um, all right, I do want to get into a few hidden gems potentially for for the third round as well, as I'm sure you have a, a couple of names up your sleeve. Yeah, who's the Jean-Luc Foodie this year? Oh, my God, man. <laughs> I was so happy when he went to Colorado. I thought of you guys, honestly. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> let's go. Because like, I think I was on your show kind of defending him and everything going into the show and how much I liked him. And then uh, ends up in Colorado with a crazy pick in the third round. Which was oh, a nice a nice response yeah. Uh, yeah, after, the, uh, after the Baron thing. And you were like, eh, yeah. not great. Not great. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, like honestly, if you flipped those two around, uh, it's perfectly fine to me, so I don't really care. Uh, but I don't know. And Baron did look pretty good when I watched him in Halifax this year, but uh, still not so sure about that one, but we'll see. He, the thing with Baron that surprised me was how good he looked in the AHL. Yeah. That was uh, that caught me by surprise. Him him being good in Halifax, I was like, okay, well. He, yeah, it's kind of expected. Your, your first-round pick had better be good in junior. Yeah. Better than, better, better than what I remember him from last year. But anyway... Um, yeah, so guys that could slip to the third round. Vili Koivinen comes to mind out of Finland. Uh, I think he led the Finnish Junior League in scoring. I really, really like him. He's 20th ranked in European scouting by Central Scouting in the NHL, 43rd on average on my list. But I get the feeling that he's going to be a guy that just slips and slips and slips. I've seen like Craig Button just had him at like the middle of the second round, I think. Um I don't know. I think that pe- I think there's enough smart people that are wising up to the fact that he is really good. He's a really intelligent guy, just a really selfless player. One of those guys that I think just makes everyone else better. His defenseman, he makes he helps them make he helps make their life easier. His forwards that he plays with, he's selfless and he can score on his own. He scores points somehow, but a lot of that is just really simple little pay- little plays, whether it's in open ice or under pressure. Like very rarely did I watch Vili Koivinen and going, "What are you doing?" and that's pretty rare. Like usually you've, nobody's perfect and he's not, he's not perfect, but the areas where he's not perfect is just like, he's not super fast. He's not super skilled. He's not super anything. He's just kind of really good at a lot of different stuff and gets a lot of points through that. Um, Is he going to be in the third round? Yeah, maybe. I don't think it's impossible. Um, I'm looking at other names like Brent Johnson on defense could be an interesting one. I think that could be available in the third round for, uh, for, for Colorado. But I also get the feeling that someone else is going to pick him up in the second round. His numbers this year were absolutely crazy. Good. Um, really smart and crafty defender, but I don't know. I get the feeling people are kind of, there's all it takes is one team to sort of smarten up and, and take a chance on these guys, especially if they have multiple picks. Um, I mean, I like Cole Huckins as well as a mid-round guy. I, he's a big, I think he's listed at 6'4", uh, guy who can play center and forward. He plays for Acadie Bathurst. Um, scored pretty well. He's uh, he's He can generate speed pretty well for a big guy. He's physical. He can make a play as well. There's a lot to like about him that I've seen. But again, he's one of these guys where it doesn't come out super often. But when it does, you know, he's very efficient moving pucks up the ice offensively. He puts in the work defensively, I think but sometimes it kind of goes away. So finding that balance, I think is going to be important for him, but he's a guy who, uh, 
all, if all else fails in the third round, I, I could easily see being there. Um, I think the total wild card for a guy that could slip to the third is Olin Zellweger, who is just he could he would only slip to the third round because he's small. And I will never undervalue just how much NHL teams are willing to let someone slip. You know, like Jean-Luc Foudy, third round pick. I was shocked. Daniel Gustin, third round pick. I was shocked. Olin Zellweger should be at the very worst uh, early second round pick. But I get the feeling that teams are going to look at his size and the fact that he's not the best speed generator in terms of chasing guys down, playing pursuit defense and, and monitoring gaps defensively. I think people, that combination of issues is going to spook people. And I think people are maybe more likely to turn to a five foot nine defender, like say Sean Barron's and let a guy like Zellweger slip. But, and if he's there in the third round on top of, let's say it's uh, let's be optimistic and say that it's Logan Stankoven. Like if it's Stankoven in the first round for Colorado and, um, and uh, wow, I already forgot who I was talking about. Oh, Zellweger in the third round. Then I think you're laughing. And, and I think there's going to be a bunch of options in the third round you could pick up that, that you just buy low and see what happens. But beyond that, then it kind of might thin out a little. You talk about looking at a longer term picture too. Zellweger is one of the youngest kids in the yep. whole class. So hundred percent. Yep. September, I think like 13th yeah. or something. Yeah. 10th, I think. Yeah. It's crazy. Barely even makes it into this year's draft basically. Yeah. And he scored a lot of points, both at the under 18 and in the WHL. So that matters to me. <laughs> Point that would make a certain uh, certain subsection of Avalanche fans really happy, drafting drafting two guys that are tiny. Whatever, they're good. <laughs> yeah, well, the WHL, I try and make that argument a lot, but you know, they're good. It, it is interesting too the WHL connection with Wade Klippenstein now um, as well in the Avalanche organization. So definitely could be uh, could see him lean on on his roots a little bit. Uh, it, this one's going to be tough, but any any deep pulls? Since... Oh, this isn't tough. This is my okay. bread and butter, right, man. Here we go. Give me, oh, give, me, give, me a, give me a goaltender from the NAHL one or yeah. something. Oh, uh, there is a goalie in that league that uh, did, did, did put up some – he played for an expansion team. He was interviewed by Ryan Kennedy in the Hockey News. Um, his name is really hard to pronounce. Where is he? Uh, Owen Barstokovitz? Barstokovitz? Anyway – I liked the data I was seeing on him. I threw him on my list because let's see who cares. Uh, goalies come from weird places all the time. Um, but to be serious, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, he could be your seventh round guy. Who knows? Um, but being realistic, I mean, there's a lot of guys this year that I've seen a little bit of that I would be happy to take a flyer on. The highest ranked guy I have, and I love talking about him, um, the highest ranked guy I have who is not ranked by many people at all uh, is Lucas Gustafson. And you were t- we were talking about the Chicago Steel earlier. This guy uh, didn't get the chance to play for them because of coronavirus stuff that pushed him out of the lineup because other guys came to town um, or didn't go to college. And um, next year, he'll be going back to the Chicago Steel. And as far as I'm told, he's going to be like a top pair guy there, power play, penalty kill, if he's good enough, which he should be. And he went to Cushing again this year to play prep hockey. And I think he played like three games and scored nine points. Um, he's, he's just, a, and when he played in the USHL, like I know he didn't score a ton of points, but I think he only played more than 10 minutes, like twice. And he wasn't getting power play time and he wasn't getting shorthanded time. I think he did get a bit of penalty killing, but not a whole lot at times. They even bumped him up to wing. Like he was playing wing at times. And, and that, that was kind of strange to me, but Chicago does strange things all the time, but he is in my data, the most active player in transition going both ways. And he drives that through really, really good mobility. He's not super quick, but he's mobile. He can push off his edges really well and cover ice laterally and close out gaps and at least challenge guys entering zones and stuff. And I love what he brings to the game and the potential there is there, especially as a guy you might get in the seventh round. Um, He scored pretty well per 60 minutes when you look at his even strength scoring, but it's not, obviously it's a very small sample, but I, I have a high, I have a lot of high hopes for him. I think, uh, you know, he's got some skill. He steps up in the offensive zone. He's got a good shot. Like, I think as an offensive defenseman who can hold water defensively, is that, that, that you could do a lot worse, especially with a seventh round pick. He's the guy, I think, in terms of very, very off the beaten path guys that you could pick up late. There's a few others, like Kali Urvasti comes to mind out of Finland, Yuri Tiacek, but that's another small defenseman that might have questions. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if he'll be gone or not. Um, Elias Stenman is a center out of Sweden who I've liked a lot this season that should be a late round pick. Marcus Almqvist is a Danish kid who I've really, really liked. And he's another tiny guy, but 
he's extremely mobile and extremely quick and extremely skilled. He was playing on Denmark's under 18 team when he was 15 and scored six goals in five games or something like he's a good, he's pretty good. And I think he was over a point per game in his Swedish junior league this year before play got shut down. So I, there's a lot of options that I think could slip to the end of the draft that you may as well just take a flyer on or even trade future considerations to add another seventh round pick. Um, Because I think that just by virtue of this year being so strange, some guys might just have gotten pushed out to the outskirts that probably shouldn't have been, or like in Lucas's case, like on Chicago, I don't know whose job he would have taken, but I mean, I tracked him versus Ryan Ufko, who was his pair mate. I've tracked a bunch of both of those guys and in almost every single offensive category and defensive ones, uh, he's better than Ufko. So we'll see what happens, but I think there's going to be some options in the seventh round. And I know that it's like a joke that you pick in the seventh round, but uh, every pick matters to me. And I think there's going to be some good players available. Yeah. I, um, I like Gustafson just because he's going to BC and that's not a, that's not a program that recruits guys who aren't, aren't very good. Hey, there might be a connection there too. Alex Newhook, you know, like, let's see. Let's Drew Hellison, Colby Ambrosio. Yeah, Colby Ambrosio. And might happen. known for picking players from one college once they attach to one. So. Yeah. They got rid of all the Notre Dame guys, except for Lieberman now. So <laughs> now it's on the gang State. now, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully this goes a bit better. I like I like those Boston College guys. They love that skill. They love that upside. And uh, Gustafson's another one of those guys. All right. Anything else you wanted to touch on, AJ? Uh, I think I'm good. All right. Will, if you want to tell the amazing people where to find all of your awesome work. Absolutely. Uh, you can go to Twitter or YouTube at Scouching. Um, the YouTube channel is going to be pretty active between now and the draft. Uh, there's a ranking video I shot today that will be edited and put together by the end of the week. So that'll be out for the public next week. Um, plenty of scouting reports to catch up on as well there. Uh, lots and lots of fun tools you can access on my Twitter page as well that are, you know, little spreadsheets and stuff to keep track of the draft on. Um, we are also live streaming throughout the entire draft, day one and two. Uh, so be sure to tune into that. Um, we'll also be raising money for the Gord Downey and Cheney Wenjack Fund here in Canada, um, which is a lovely little charity that's worth researching. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the bulk of it. I also write for McKean's Hockey, so you can also check out my work there. They have the written versions of my video reports on that site that you can check out if you're a subscriber. So uh, that's all a good start. And if you really like it, you can pay me money on Patreon to keep my bills paid. <laughs> Everybody likes their bills getting paid. Can I, yes, <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you, chat, for watching, listening, sitting here, talking prospects with us. We'll have more prospects content coming at you for the rest of this week. Hopefully you'll tune in. We should be back to our normal time at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Hope to see you there. And until next time, we will talk to you all later.